0: Hello, everybody. This is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old fashioned entertainment. He was a dance legend who gave Tap a lightness and presence that had never been known before. Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly learned their craft by watching him. He was a child stage dancer in minstrel shows, a U.S. Army rifleman a singer, an actor in USO shows, an accomplished tap dancer, a Broadway star, a motion picture star, a baseball team owner, and a tireless lobbyist for black rights. He called six-year-old film star Shirley Temple, "darlin," and she called him, Uncle Bill. Together, step by stair step, they carved out a place in screen history together doing their legendary dance on the stairs in the 1935 film, The Little Colonel, Shirley said he taught her to feel the steps, not look at them, and if you've never seen this routine, you need to, it's incredible. The Stair Dance from the Little Colonel Offstage they were the best of friends, and they would often be spotted hand in hand, he over 6 feet tall, and she just 3 feet tall. Size notwithstanding, they were both giants in entertainment, she a child megastar in major motion pictures, and he the best-known and highest-paid black entertainer in the first half of the 20th century. Once they were working on a movie in Palm Springs, and she asked him why he was staying in a room over the drugstore while she was staying in a private cottage. Don't worry yourself over that, darling, he said. My chauffeur is staying there, too. You couldn't rattle Bill Robinson. He was always ready with a smile. And everything was copacetic. He invented the phrase, and it stuck. Somewhere along the line, he picked up the nickname Bojangles, which, depending on who you're talking to, could be taken as meaning either carefree or argumentative. He was born in 1878 in Richmond, Virginia, and for the short time he knew them, his mom was a gospel singer and his dad was a machine shop worker. But they both died when he was eight, his father from a sickness and his mom from natural causes. So he was raised by his maternal grandmother, who had been a slave. Bill was pretty much dancing for food from the time he was five, appearing as a hoofer or busker in local beer gardens and in front of theaters for tossed pennies. A promoter saw him performing outside the Globe Theater in Richmond and offered him a job as a pick in a local minstrel show. At that time, minstrel shows were staged by white performers in blackface. Pickininnies or picks were cute black children at the edge of the stage singing, dancing, or telling jokes. In 1890, at the age of 13, Robinson ran away to Washington, D.C., where he did odd jobs at Benning Racetrack and worked briefly as a jockey. He teamed up with a young Al Jolson, with Jolson singing while Robinson danced for pennies or to sell newspapers. In 1891, he was hired by Waylon and Martell, touring with Mame Remington's troupe in a show titled The South Before the War, performing again as a pickaninny, despite his age. He traveled with the show for over a year before growing too mature to play the role credibly. In 1898, he returned to Richmond where he joined the United States Army as a rifleman when the Spanish-American War broke out. He received an accidental gunshot wound from a second lieutenant who was cleaning his gun. On March 30, 1900, Robinson entered a buck and wing dance contest at the Bijou Theater in Brooklyn, New York winning a gold medal and defeating Harry Swinton, star of the show in Old Kentucky, and considered the best dancer of his day. The resulting publicity helped Robinson get work in numerous traveling shows, sometimes in a troupe, more frequently with a partner, though not always as a dancer. Robinson also sang and performed two-man comedy routines. In 1905, Robinson worked with George W. Cooper as a vaudeville team, which was one of only six black acts signed by the B.F. Keith Circuit, which catered to white vaudeville audiences. It was a comedy act, with Robinson playing the buffoon to Cooper's Straight Man, and Robinson did little dancing in the act. The Keith Circuit paid $100 a week, with 26 weeks guaranteed, boosting Robinson's income significantly. 100 a week in 1905 was great money, when the average income for the year for a worker was about $300. By 1912, Robinson was a full partner in the duo, which had become primarily a tap dancing act, booked on both the Keith and Orpheum circuits. The team broke up in 1914, and vaudeville performer Ray Samuels, who had performed in shows with Robinson, convinced him to meet with her manager and husband, Marty Forkins. Under Forkins' tutelage, Robinson matured and began working as a solo act, increasing his earnings to an estimated $3,500 a week. Forkins accomplished this by inventing an altered history for Robinson, promoting him as already being a solo act. This technique succeeded, making Robinson one of the first performers to break vaudeville's two-colored rule, which forbade solo black acts. When the U.S. entered World War I, the War Department set up a series of liberty theaters in the training camps. The Keith and Orpheum circuits underwrote vaudeville acts at reduced fees, but Robinson volunteered to perform gratis for thousands of troops in both black and white units of the Expeditionary Forces, receiving a commendation from the War Department in 1918. Throughout the early 20s, Robinson continued his career on the road as a solo vaudeville act, touring throughout the country and most frequently visiting Chicago, where Marty Forkins, his manager, lived. From 1919 to 1923, he was fully booked on the Orpheum Circuit and was signed full-time by the Keith in 1924 and 1925. In addition to being booked for 50 to 52 weeks, he was an avid baseball fan, and he took a week off for the World Series every year. Robinson did multiple shows per night, frequently on two different stages. He had learned his trade well and was well paid for it. In 1928, he hit it big, starring in Blackbirds with Adelaide Hall which played to sold out audiences for a year and made Bill Bojangles Robinson a major star as you've already guessed he came under a tremendous amount of criticism for selling out doing shows that only played to white audiences and spending time in the company of whites research has shown that he worked behind the scenes to break down racial barriers including persuading the Dallas Police Department to hire its first African American policeman and lobbying President Roosevelt during World War II for more equitable treatment of African-American soldiers, and staging the first integrated public event in Miami, a fundraiser which, with the permission of the mayor, was attended by both black and white city residents, and performing in over 3,000 charity benefits in New York City and elsewhere. And as you might also have guessed, he was constantly a victim of racism himself, despite his talents and star status. The stories about Bill Robinson were legend. He once seated himself in a restaurant and a customer objected to his presence when the manager suggested that it might be better if Robinson leave. He smiled and asked, Have you got a $10 bill? Politely asking to borrow the manager's note for a moment, Robinson added six $10 bills from his own wallet and mixed them up, then extended the seven bills together, adding, Here, let's see you pick out the colored one. The restaurant manager served Robinson without further delay. Despite earning and spending a fortune, his memories of surviving the streets as a child never left him, prompting many acts of generosity. In 1933, while in his hometown of Richmond, Virginia, he saw two children caught between the heat of traffic to retrieve their ball. There was no stoplight at the intersection. Robinson went to the city and provided the money to have one installed. In 1973, a statue of... Bojangles, sculpted by Jack Witt at the intersection of Adams and West Lee Streets, was established in a small park at the intersection. Robinson also co-founded the New York Black Yankees baseball team in Harlem in 1936 with financier James Soldier Boy Semler. The team was a successful member of the Negro National League until it disbanded in 1948 after Major League Baseball was desegregated. In 1989, a joint U.S. Senate House resolution declared National Tap Dance Day to be May 25th, the anniversary of Bill Robinson's birth. Sammy Davis and Ann Miller, two of the best tap dancers you will ever see on screen, learned how to dance from Bill Robinson. Sammy Davis did a stylized version of Jerry Jeff Walker's famous song, Mr. Bojangles, that has seen millions of plays on YouTube. Sammy never forgot his roots. Of course, anyone alive in the 70s remembers the song, Mr. Bojangles. Songwriter Jerry Jeff Walker has said he was inspired to write the song after an encounter with a street performer in a New Orleans jail. While in jail for public intoxication in 1965, he met a homeless white man who called himself Mr. Bojangles to conceal his true identity from the police. He'd been arrested as part of a police sweep of indigent people that was carried out following a high profile murder. The two men and others in the cell chatted about all manner of things, but when Mr. Bojangles told a story about his dog, the mood in the room turned heavy. Someone else in the cell asked for something to lighten the mood, and Mr. Bojangles obliged with a tap dance. In 2001, the television special Mr. Bojangles premiered a biographical drama chronicling the life of Bill Bojangles Robinson and featuring some incredible acting and tap dancing from Gregory Hines, who won an Emmy for Best Male Actor that year as a result of that performance. Robinson will always be remembered for the Stair Dance with Shirley Temple, the scene in The Little Colonel that broke down a lot of black and white barriers in show business in 1935. The six foot 57 year old dancer, still as energetic and lithe as a 25 year old, and the little six year old Shirley Temple, tapped up the grand staircase of an antebellum home, showing the world at that time that age and color had no bearing on talent. When Bill Robinson was selected to co-star with Shirley Temple in The Little Colonel in 1935, they quickly hit it off, as Temple recounted years later. She said, Robinson walked a step ahead of us, but when he noticed me hurrying to catch up, he shortened his stride to accommodate mine. I kept reaching up for his hand, but he hadn't looked down and seemed unaware. Fanny called his attention to what I was doing, so he stopped short, bent low over me, his eyes wide, and rows of brilliant teeth showing in a wide smile. When he took my hand in his, it felt large and cool. For a few moments, we continued walking in silence. Can I call you Uncle Billy? I asked. Why, sure you can, he replied. But then I get to call you Darlin. It was a deal. From then on, Whenever we walked together, it was hand in hand, and I was always his darling. Temple had already appeared in five films released in 1934 and had performed a tap routine with James Dunn in Stand Up and Cheer. After Robinson was signed by 20th Century Fox, it was decided that he would perform his famous stair dance with Temple. While Robinson liked the idea, he realized that he couldn't teach his complex stair dance to a six-year-old in the few days permitted by his shooting schedule. Instead. He taught Temple to kick the riser of each stair step with her toe. After watching her practice his choreography, Robinson modified his routine to mimic her movements so that it appeared on film that she was imitating his steps. The sequence was the highlight of the film. Robinson and Temple became the first interracial dance partners in Hollywood history. Temple and Robinson appeared in four films together, The Little Colonel, The Littlest Rebel, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, and Just Around the Corner. Robinson and Temple became close friends as a result of his dance coaching and acting with her. Robinson carried pictures of Temple with him wherever he traveled, and Temple considered him a lifelong friend, saying in one interview, Bill Robinson treated me as an equal, which was very important to me. He didn't talk down to me like to a little girl, and I like people like that, and Bill Robinson was the best of all. When Bill Robinson died in 1949, he died penniless Having given away everything to either gambling or helping causes, no one knows for sure. Ed Sullivan, who'd been a close friend and admirer and a guy who knew talent when he saw it, paid for the funeral, which was attended by thousands. Bill Robinson was one of those performers who gave it everything he had. One of his famous quotes reads like this, What success I achieved in the theater is due to the fact that I've always worked hard, just as hard when there are 10 people in the house as when they were thousands just as hard in springfield illinois as on broadway well said thanks for joining us at 1001 stories for the road where every sunday night at 8 p.m eastern standard time we release a new episode for your listening enjoyment 1001 stories for the road was inspired by our big brother 1001 heroes the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes. And these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes, our terrific host, Audioboom.com, and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try. Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com. And we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001storiesfortheroad. We'll be back real soon.